With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, content manager at So-Called Fantasy Experts and founder of FantasySixPack.net. This week, um, this week we are going to be joined by Jonathan Chan over at FantasySixPack.net to cover our wide receiver preview. Uh, continuing from the last couple of weeks where we've covered quarterbacks and running backs. So if you've missed it, uh, go back and, and listen up to that. Um, it, before we get started though, I do want to, I, I need to, I need to rant a little bit. I'm kind of, I'm kind of mad at CBS a little bit. Uh, so the, the folks over at, at so-called fantasy experts, we have a, a CBS league going in and it's a weekly league. And uh, you know what? Before before we do that, let me introduce our host co-host here, AJ. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Not much. So I was just about to rant a little bit about our CBS league that we've got going on, our Bigs league. Did okay. you see my email that went out? I don't know if I did. So you know, in our league, we're weekly, and you can't you know, obviously the. The weird thing is, is it lets you have like more people on your roster somehow every once in a while than than you're really allowed to. And so but if you do, it's in a legal lineup for the week. Which weird in itself, I don't understand why that how that normally could happen. I anyway. But in our league I had Johnny Peralta on the DL and he got activated today. Now Saint Louis hadn't played a game on Monday this week. So he got activated, and he was still like an active player, somebody I could move around. So it counted him against me this week. So I have an invalid lineup this week now, zero points, and I can't do anything about it. Stupidest thing I've ever seen. Why would they? Why would CBS automatically activate somebody from the DL on me in a weekly league? I can't. I can't do anything. All my other players had played on Monday. I can't drop any of them. <laughs> So I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to make the playoffs in the league anyway. My team just wasn't very good, but I'm. I'm still just pissed that that that, that happened. You know, I was playing the top league and the the team or the top team in the league, and I was really hoping that I was going to be able to challenge them a little bit because uh, my team's kind of starting to come around and feeling pretty good about it. But I don't know, man. I'm just. I'm just mad about that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what the hell's up with that. 
I was trying, as far as I know, we were supposed to have like multiple DL spots, but uh, we I tried to put a guy on there now. Yeah, I, I have one guy there already, and I tried to put another one on today, but he's, I guess, story's still not technically listed as DL on there. So, um, Well, and so most, most moves, especially at this point in the week, won't count until next week. So if you look at like next week's matchups, because we're in a weekly league, you'll notice he's on the DL if you tried to move him. But it won't, it, you won't see him right now. It's, it's kind of a weird, I don't know. This makes me not like weekly leagues even more because it's just, it's just too, I don't know. It's just too much for me. But anyway, I don't want to dwell on that too much. It's uh, pisses me off. I sent out a message hoping that the, the commission would see it. And he could fix it because I think it's bogus if that actually happened. I don't see any reason why that that should be be the rule. And I get penalized for CBS active. Like, how am I supposed to just tell the future and know that he's getting activated on Tuesday? There was nothing written that he was going to get activated on Tuesday. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Had I known that, I probably would have dropped my crappy shortstop and activated Johnny Peralta. But anyway. So, off to wide receivers. Um, before we get started here, let's bring in Jonathan Chan. And what's going on? Uh, not too much. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Uh, just, you know, obviously you heard my story there, so not exactly too pleased at the moment, but, you know, can't complain overall. Eh, tough spot to be in. What yeah. can you do? <laughs> I know, right? Um, I'd be even more mad if I was actually fighting for a playoff spot, I suppose. But anyway, that said, um, so you are here to help us. Um, um, you, you are you are on here uh, to help us get through um, the uh, wide, wide receiver uh, position. And um, and so AJ, um, so so you you need to get rolling. Yeah, let I, me I, jump. You got I'll, something I'll that came up. I'll hop back on if I can. Yeah, if not, I'll uh, I'll chat with you next week. All right, yeah, man, stuff happens. That's all right. All Keep right, going. cool, man. I'll talk to you. All right. All right, sounds good. So, it's just you and me, Jonathan. So. A little unexpected, but AJ had to bail. Got some uh, got some things going on around the house that he's got to take care of. I understand that he's got a little one, so got to do what we got to do. But yeah, so so wide receivers for me though, obviously this position has kind of taken over fantasy football. Um, it it's the in my opinion the more predictable and more reliable position. Um, that said, it's also very, very, very deep. Um, you can find guys later on that, you know, a bunch of wide receiver twos on, on teams that, that are good that you can get in the fifth, sixth round, and, and they can turn out to be, you know, wide receiver ones. It happens every year. Um, and so my my draft strategy going into every season for the last couple of years is to get at least one of these top-notch receivers. Like, I've been doing more of the, the wide receiver running back split in the first couple rounds. 
Um, and then probably leaning more toward wide receiver for the next couple of rounds, but I definitely don't want to fall too far for the running backs. Um, and, and just, I mean, obviously every draft is different, but you know, especially in PPR, um, you got to go heavy wide receiver in my opinion. Um, but you know, this is a, this is a deep position. These guys, you know, generally don't, you don't have the, the platoons that you have with like running backs, you know, you've got your, you've got your number ones, you know, you've got your Antonio Browns, your Julio Jones, your Odell Beckhams, you've got your next tier with Hopkins and, and, you know, Jordy Nelson's and, and all those guys. And, and they just, they, they are almost as good as the tier one. So they're going in the first round also, uh, or, or maybe even late second, so you know, I, I still just think though that that I'm 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 still leaning toward going more wide receiver heavy on a lot of my drafts, but I'm not forgetting about running backs. So, Jonathan, what what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I'm actually this year especially I'm really liking going receiver heavy early in the draft, just because like you said, the position is really deep, and I think to separate yourself from the other teams in the league, you kind of do need that top tier elite guy, just kind of separate your production from the other teams. Um, what I've been looking to do in mock drafts is I've been going wide receiver with my first two picks just to ensure that I have that consistent uh, production week in, week out, barring injury. Whereas you can get guys like Mark Ingram or LaShawn McCoy in the third round, and they've consistently been there throughout the third for it, uh, to grab if you want to grab a couple of the elite receivers in the first two rounds. Yeah, I... I've tried the the wide receiver, wide receiver before, and I just I generally don't like who I get as my receipt, my, my back one, and that's kind of my issue. Um, I'm I'm I guess I'm still a little old school in that, you know I I like to have that what I think of as a more reliable running back. Now I know it hasn't worked out that way in the last year, especially last year, round one running backs were awful past Adrian Peterson it seemed like and but I still just like to have that sense of coming out of the draft that I've at least got one solid running back um, because this year it seems like there's a few more of them that you feel a lot more comfortable with I think even last year you know people going in were like well yeah Jeremy Hill and CJ Anderson they had a good second half yeah why not why can't they do it again? Well, there was a lot of reasons why, and I think people just got kind of blind to it. Um, this year, it feels like there's a lot more, you know, stud guys that you can rely on that I want one of them because after them, it's all question marks with, with running backs, in my opinion. Uh, you can just get so many guys that are in platoon situations that, you know, serious health issues, you know, already coming in, uh, you know, people like McCoy and people like Jamal Charles and they're really good and they're going to go early. They obviously have health, health questions. Um, McCoy gets helped by the the slew of running backs on his own team that just have decided they don't want to play football anymore, apparently. Um, so that, that helps his case. But he's still an injury risk. And I own him on one of my dynasty teams. And, I, you know, I, I picked up his handcuff in a trade during the offseason Carlos Williams, and then he turned into Eddie Lacy 2.0. So, you know, what do you 
I mean, nothing I can do there, but, you know, I knew the risk that came with Latron McCoy. I backed him up and now it's not going to work out that way for me. But, you know, like even that second tier there, you can see it right away. Latron McCoy and Jamal Charles is just immediate question marks. But with receivers, I feel like that second tier is still really good. And if you can get two of those guys, plus one really stud running back, like that's awesome. I feel like that's kind of the way I want to go with most of my drafts. But I, I, you know, I don't – there's a lot of strategies you can do. And in wide receiver, wide receiver is totally legit. I mean, it, it makes sense to me, and I understand it. It's just not the way I, I, I feel most comfortable drafting. I think, yeah, I think getting that stud, uh, the stud running back can help a lot considering the kind of drop-off between the Tier 1 and Tier 2. But just me personally, a lot of the tier one backs, there's just a lot, a lot of risk and a lot of unknown, uh, especially with guys like David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott. It's just a lot of risk. And that's for just those top tier uh, receivers that you know what you're getting from them. That's why the wide receiver, wide receiver for me is just safe. You don't, you don't risk drafting this year's CJ Anderson and Jeremy Hill like I did last year. So, <laughs> Wow. Uh, tough year for me. Yeah, that sucks. You got both of those guys. Oh yeah, Ooh, that's brutal. Um, so yeah, that you know that said, you know, we like to start off each position with some you know hot topic slash questions that that are are kind of swirling the the air for the position. You know this this off season, um, and and one of the big ones is. What exactly do we expect from Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders in Denver now that I guess we're going to get Mark Sanchez as the starter? I mean, last year wasn't great, but you still, I feel like everybody still felt really comfortable with even a diminished Peyton Manning there. Maybe not at the very end of the season, but you still had hope. Yeah, um, last year, Demarius put up 1,300 yards and six touchdowns, which is a great year by a lot of receiver standards. But having owned him last year, it just it felt really – it felt week to week you weren't really comfortable with what he was going to produce. A lot of it came down to, I guess, he was worried about some off-field issues with his mother, and he was having some trouble uh, – issues with drops. And kind of week to week, it was really difficult. And I guess that kind of uh, painted people's perceptions, which is why he's back in the uh, the third round this year. But a lot of people, this, he's really polarizing, especially right now, because people are saying w- with Sanchez, he'll be better than the corpse of Peyton last year. And some people are saying that Sanchez is just not a good quarterback, and it can, it can go either way, really. But I'm on the side of Sanchez is not going to be able to run uh, a consistent offense like Peyton was, even in his diminished state. Just, uh, seeing the stats here, uh, even in Sanchez's best year he threw for uh set almost 750 yards less than the broncos threw for last year so it's kind of i think kubiak and the broncos are going to go away from that passing offense and they're going to lean heavily on cj anderson and the running game this year they're going to go full kubiak and they're going to try to limit sanchez's mistakes and i think demarius and emmanuel sanders are going to have uh some trouble picking up a lot of yards this year yeah, I tend to agree with you. You know, he he might be, I don't know, more efficient target-wise, but 
it it's going to be a you know he's going to obviously get less targets. I mean, I fully agree with you there. I just I think that's the thing that people aren't paying attention to enough of is because of the passing game. You know, even even with Peyton Manning there last year, they kind of let Peyton Manning still run the show because he was a smart quarterback. And Peyton Manning, even though he had a lot of interceptions, he didn't. He still didn't seem to play stupid down the stretch. I mean, they still won a Super Bowl. You, you can't play stupid and win a Super Bowl. Um, so Demarius and Emmanuel Sanders were able to still benefit from that. And yeah, they're gonna go. They're definitely gonna go heavy run. So the net the next question I want to ask you about is a couple of young guys that people kind of. One guy is already in in that that top two round discussion. The other one is right there, maybe, but just slightly under. And it's Mike Evans and Amari Cooper. Do we think that they can take that next step and become, you know, tier one, tier two receivers? You know, more guys that we can be be more consistent and guys that we can rely on week to week. Um, yeah, I think they both can definitely take that step. Uh, a lot of their problems last year was their high drop rate. I think they both, I think they were what numbers one and two in the league and, uh, in drop rate, I think Evans dropped about 7.4% of his passes and Cooper dropped 7.7. So they're close, but I think they were top two. Um, hopefully I'm not wrong on that, but I think <laughs> of the two, <laughs> uh, I think of the two, they're being drafted right, right beside each other, according to fantasy pros, uh, what I'm looking at here, uh, right? 24 and 25. I think of those two, I think Evans is the guy that can take that next step. It's because last year he, he picked up 1200, uh, 1200 yards, but only had three touchdowns. And for right. somebody with his, with his skill set, that's just a really, really seemingly low number. I think another year in the offense with uh, getting comfortable with Jameis Winston and another year off the off the uh, injury he suffered, I think the touchdowns will come up and he can get into that uh, even high second tier, maybe even low first tier of receivers. Uh, Cooper, he if he can fix a drop problem, he can get up there as well. But his uh, the the wide receiver two for the Raiders, Michael Crabtree, he put up very similar numbers but he's going way, way lower. And I think Cooper's upside is limited by uh, Crabtree being there. And I think where he's being drafted right now probably represents his, uh, his ceiling as to, uh, for the production he can put up this year anyways. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I have my reservations about both, both have young quarterbacks. I'm almost, I guess I'm going a little bit against the grain here. I kind of, I kind of am more worried about Evans than I am Cooper only because of Winston. And I'm not sure I really fully trust Winston as much as I do Carr. Um, You know, you always have to worry about that kind of sophomore slump with quarterbacks and, you know, Winston ended up finishing the year fairly strong and overall was, was decent for a rookie quarterback. Um, but I just, you just worry about, you know, defenses, you know, they've had it now they've got a full year of tape on him and they can, they can figure him out and they know what to attack with him. And, you know, 
I mean, let's be real. Evans at this point is the only weapon on that team. Vincent Jackson is a shell of himself from years ago. And so you can't really rely on that at all. So defenses know where the, where he's going with the ball. It's him, it's Doug Martin, and it's Chris Sims. Um, and so after that, I mean, Austin Safarian Jenkins hasn't seemed to do much of anything, even though everybody seems to love his talent. He just doesn't get it done, and he's always injured. So Cooper, Cooper reminds me of – like a Julio Jones type of player to where he could just be amazing if, yeah, if he can hold on to the ball. So I, I think I have Evans ranked higher than Cooper, but I wouldn't be one bit surprised if Cooper finished higher than Evans this year at all, but they both can be right there. So I, I agree with you there. Um, the, the last, the last question I want to ask you about is, one that's near and dear to me because last year I drafted Randall Cobb pretty high in a dynasty league, knowing that Nelson was out for the year, thinking I had gold for at least one year. And then, you know, Cobb's pretty good regardless. And Cobb was pretty bad. Uh, didn't seem to be able to handle that wide receiver one spot very well. So with Jordy Nelson returning there in green Bay, you know, what can we expect from Cobb? And then, you know, kind of, kind of on the second side of that is do you expect Jordy Nelson to be the Jordy Nelson of old after the injury he suffered? Um, Well, starting with Cobb, I think back in that uh, the second wide receiver spot there with a lot of pressure taken off him, if Jordy is healthy, then I think Cobb can come come close to the line he put up uh, a couple years ago with around 1,300 yards and maybe not 12 touchdowns, but maybe 8 to 10, something like that. But I think with the decreased pressure and hopefully Eddie Lacy can get back to himself and they can green Bay, the green Bay offense can uh, get back to what they were. I think uh, Cobb's ADP, I think, which is, I uh, can't find Cobb right now, but I think uh, wherever, where he's being drafted, I think it's, he's pretty good value for what he can put up. And uh, with Jordy, I think the reports have been pretty, um, pretty positive if I'm not mistaken. His ADP, which is pretty at number 17, so the eighth wide receiver taken off the board, I think uh, that's his his ceiling for this year. That's peak Jordy production, and if it takes him any time at all to get uh, to get back up to the speed, then it might be a slight slight reach on him. He'll still produce, but over guys like Alshon, uh, I'm not too sure about that one. Yeah, I think I think. Yeah, Jordy's going 17, Cobb's going 41. I think the the value on Cobb is definitely there at wide receiver 20. You know, he's even going behind guys like Edelman and Benjamin, who we'll touch on later, who I'm not sure I would draft ahead of Cobb at this point. Um, But yeah, Jordy, I mean, if you're drafting Jordy there, you're pretty much hoping for 2014 Jordy to show back up. And I'm just... I'd be hesitant. I mean, that was an amazing season. So, I mean, hey, he can obviously do it. He's done it before, but that that is a that is a pretty high draft uh, draft slot to take take him in. But you know, I might you know I might notch him down, maybe slightly behind like a Marshall now that Fitzpatrick is back. You know maybe move him back to where like Evans and Cooper is in that mid 20 range. 
and and see where he slots in there. I think he kind of fits there a little more, but they're they're both going to be good. I think Cobb's Cobb's going to have a bounce back season for sure. And I think he, I mean, he was banged up last year too. He had that shoulder injury that I think he played through, and that that really you could, I think that really took a toll on him. So, so speaking of injuries, we have a lot of receivers coming back from or already injured for this upcoming season. And, you know, we already touched on Jordy Nelson. I think he's one of the big ones. Des Bryant was, was another big one. You know, what can we expect from Des Bryant this season? He was, I mean, he was being drafted, you know, number three receiver last year, I, I believe. So what are you looking at for Des, Des Bryant this season? Uh, I think that, if I, a lot of Dez's season is going to hinge on whether or not Tony Romo can stay healthy because with uh, Ezekiel Elliott there now and with that offensive line, they're going to be able to create that balanced offense that they had a couple of years ago. But if Dez's foot is completely healthy and Romo can come back from the two broken collarbones, then I think Dez can go back to putting up his elite production, uh, mainly with his touchdowns. I think that that little fade in the corner that him and Romo do is pretty much unguardable. So if they can get back to doing what they did, everybody stays healthy. I think Des can go back to being an elite receiver. Yeah, um, I, I think he, I think he can too. Um, <laughs> random thoughts about uh, Des Bryant, though. What do you think about this? these these fat Tony Romo pictures that are going around the internet <laughs> they look kind of weird. I don't know if they're really right. I have not seen these yet. Let me get a quick Google yeah. in here. <laughs> just, just Google Tony Romo and it's like the first article that pops up. It's pretty funny. Uh, so it's definitely definitely got the rank up there now pretty quickly. So uh, I guess oh, somebody right. took a picture of Tony Romo coming out of the locker room for training camp and it was a perhaps a weird angle or something and he's probably wearing like a huge chest guard or something but he looks rather plump to say <laughs> he's probably choosing oh yeah he does yeah. his cheeks out and everything too <laughs> yeah right so it's, it's pretty interesting i don't know the title of this article is great this is the from the new york post is tony romo fat an internet investigation it's just <laughs> Uh, that's pretty funny. I didn't see that one. Yeah, it's uh, – oh, I did see that one now. It's that's, yeah, that's stupid. Um, I don't know. I'll wait to see it for myself. But, you know, my my worry with Des Bryant, I, you know, I think he's got all the talent in the world. I think he can come back. You know, he, he still played on that foot injury last year and struggled through it. But another whole other offseason, I think he can come back. It's It's more Tony Romo that I worry about. And – you know, it's it's said that every you you break your collarbone and then it's easier to break it again. So it's um it I I'm worried that Tony Romo is just gonna have the same thing happen again. Someone's gonna fall on him wrong and you know, I was watching the game that he broke it the second time last year and it wasn't even that brutal of a hit. He just landed wrong and it snapped. So that's what I worry more about with Des than anything. And 
Speaking of that foot injury with Dez, the another guy who the next two guys that I'm going to talk about pretty much had, you know, uh, well, not the same injury for both, but they both have foot injuries. Sammy Watkins and Julian Edelman. You know, Watkins sounds like he's kind of got that same foot injury that Dez dealt with last year, and we saw how it affected him. Now they're all good news is coming out of camp, but do we trust Watkins? To, to produce like he did down the stretch last season? Um, I think with Watkins, it's not like just, it's not this one injury. It's the, all the injuries he's suffered over the years. He just seems to be constantly one of those guys who's got the questionable tag following him around all season. I think over the two years in the league, he's dealt with like just a myriad of injuries. And that's part of the risk in drafting him. He's got like, he's like with Dez, he's got all the talent in the world, but the problem is actually playing games with him. But, I mean, as you said, everything coming out of camp is positive, and you can't really go against that, especially because if, if the surgery was a success and he comes back healthy, then Sammy Watkins does have the potential to put up really, really elite numbers just because he is the Bills' passing game. Past him and even maybe now Charles Clay, that offense runs on Sammy Watkins. And shady a little bit, but the passing game runs on Sammy anyways. And so then, you know, Julian Edelman has had foot surgery. I want to say twice this off season. And so he, you know, he's been put on the early season pup list. Um, You know, especially with Tom Brady gone for the first four games of the season. are, Are you even targeting Julian Edelman in any of your drafts, especially where his ADP is right now? Um, yeah, I mean, Edelman's one of those guys who he doesn't necessarily need somebody like Tom Brady to produce just because he runs all those short, like all those short intermediate routes, whereas even if Jimmy Garoppolo just dumps it off to him, you know, especially PPR leagues, that's just really valuable. But again, all the news for him is coming out positive, and he did come back close to the end of last year, didn't he? Or if I'm mistaken, can't remember. But I, wanna, I think I want to say no. He missed the last like six or seven games of the season. But yeah, yeah, he definitely missed the missed the last bit of. Did he come back in the playoffs? Maybe is that what you're thinking of? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, I think he. I thought he might, he might play in the playoffs. But anyways, I think if he can, if he feels good enough to play, I don't think. I mean, Brady uh, missing will have an effect on him, but I don't think it's going to have an, um, a big enough effect to drop him too, too far in, uh, in drafts just because he puts up such, such consistent production and he plays a role where you don't need the, you don't need one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time throwing it to you. So I think maybe drop him half around around maybe two, if you're really, really squeamish about the foot injury, but I think he can still produce at a level that's, really consistent for what he's done over the last couple of years. Yeah, I know. I snagged him in, in my MFL 10, he dropped all the way to the eighth round in that league. And I don't know if how, how, or not MFL 10, uh, my Scott fishbowl league. And I don't know if you're familiar with those, that league at all, but it's a, it's a peculiar scoring system. It's a super flex league. It's, um, so, and we actually have three flex spots 
well, four flex spots and then one's a super flex, but it's all weird. Uh, running backs and receivers are half point PPR tight ends are full point PPR. So some of these guys that you don't expect to be there in the eighth round are, but Edelman was getting drafted past some guys that he should have gone way ahead of, in my opinion. And I feel like I got a huge bargain on him in the eighth round. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping for the best with him, but another guy that, you know, I I don't even remember with him what his injury was last year, uh, but I know he was injured at some point because <laughs> he always is, and it's Alshon Jeffrey. Um, you know, do you you know he's being he's being picked in the first two rounds still. You know what what do you are are you going to take him this early knowing the injury history with this guy? I mean, with Alshon, he's being drafted, uh, let's see here, 20th. So he's wide receiver 10, which I think it, it's fair for him because even with all the injury problems, I think last year was a lot of hamstring issues. I think that's what it was. Um, when he plays, he does, he does put up really, really good numbers. Uh, Cutler showed a lot last year. Not sure how much of that can be attributed to Adam Gase running the offense, but I think Cutler showed a lot. Kevin White's coming back to take some pressure off him. And, um, I mean, I'm a pretty, well, after last year's draft uh, with the two running backs, I'm pretty uh, risk averse this year. So I'm not sure if I would take Alshon uh, where he's going, but um, for those who are willing to take the injury risk, I think he definitely can produce numbers around the, around uh, 20th overall. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as you can tell, probably from my little intro question about him, you know, I, I'm I'm sort of leery about him, and I'm with you. I'm I'm sort of risk adverse, especially in those early rounds. I like to take my chances later, um, but he's definitely got the talent. Yeah, I mean, if, if he fell like an extra round for me, I'd be way more okay with it. But that seems like there's some guys going around him that could put up very similar numbers and I don't have to worry about them being so much of an injury risk. So I probably won't get him in any league because of that. And I'll, and I'll be okay with it. So the last, the last guy here, well, I've got two, but, but the, the last one here is Calvin Benjamin. And, um, you know, we saw a, a big rookie campaign but it was to me, it was all based around the touchdown numbers. Um, if you really look outside of the touchdown numbers, he kind of struggled, and you know, but but people are really looking for him to be that guy that Cam can go back to this year, and 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 repeat his success from last year. So no longer is he going to have to rely on Ted Ginn Jr. as being his, his number one ride receiver in any given week. He can go back to a, you know, a potential stud receiver in Kelvin Benjamin. But what's your feelings on this guy? Um, yeah, I wrote about him in my uh, the wide receiver bus piece, and we talked about him on the Fantasy Edge a couple of weeks ago with Richard and Kevin. Um, I'm not liking his draft position at all number 36 uh, around guys like Keenan Allen, uh, Demarius Thomas, even above guys like Edelman or Randall Cobb. It's just, 
doesn't make that much sense to me because like you said, his rookie year, it was really uh, propped up by a lot of those touchdowns, which came, a lot of them came in garbage time when he was just getting balls chucked at him by Cam and he was jumping over people and catching them when the, the defense was kind of sagging off a little bit. I think there's a really interesting stat here from his rookie year where uh, outside of the first three or in the first three quarters, his catch rate was about 45%, which was the worst of any receiver in the league. But uh, in garbage time, which is qualified as uh, down by more than 11 points in the fourth quarter, his catch rate jumped up to 70% against the softer coverage. So I think mm. he's really, really getting propped up by just the soft coverage and Cam just throwing it in his general direction, hoping for the best. Uh, this year, with Cam improving as a quarterback, Ted Ginn actually catching some things. Olsen's <laughs> still there. You know, I think, the, and Devin Funches emerging too. I think that passing game is going to be a lot more diverse. And I don't think Benjamin is going to get... Uh, as many targets as he did in his rookie year. And I don't think he's going to produce anywhere close to his, his, uh, his ADP right now. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. You know, I'm, I'm a little worried about him too. Um, you know, and, and, and ultimately I think it could hurt Cam Newton is, is what I, I think a lot of people aren't really expect you know, thinking about here is that, you know, the fact that he he did only catch about fifty percent of his targets in in year one, that if if he doesn't improve on that, that's one of the big reasons why Cam Newton was so good last year is because of the efficiency he had with his passes. Um, and if he's going to start dropping a bunch of them, then that hurts not only Benjamin but Cam Newton, and then they're off the field because maybe it's a third down or something like that. And there's less scoring opportunities. You know, it's just a, I think it's just a, a waterfall effect here that, that could happen. And it, it's just going to hurt all around, but you know, I, you know, I, I think he's another one of those guys, you know, to where I'm with you. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be driving him at his given spot right now because he's just going to you know he's currently going way too early for me and i and i've got him ranked behind a lot of the guys that you mentioned so it's um he will likely not be on any of my teams and and another one i won't be too worried about steve smith is the last guy and i put here on i put this one on here i know he's not a big fantasy target but i mean if you're talking like 12th, 13th round. Are you are you gonna be looking at this guy? I mean, it's not. It kind of sounds like he's he's playing just to get that cash number, and then he's just gonna like walk off the field and say goodbye <laughs> to everybody. So like, I don't know if it's worth it. Um, yeah, I mean, it just depends where where you're willing to draft him. I think Steve Smith is gonna be Steve Smith. He's some kind of cyborg that's just gonna keep going until he decides he's done. Um, he was putting up pretty good numbers last year, considering everybody was writing him off. But um, if he falls far enough, like you said, maybe 12th, 13th round, and you're looking for somebody that can, you know, give your team a shot in the arm, then yeah, I'd go for Smith. Except the only problem is that the Ravens offense is looking very, very crowded right now. And somebody's going to have to emerge. If Smith gets that uh, catch record and does walk off the field, 
then it might be a little easier for somebody else to emerge. But right now it looks like Smith, if he's healthy and can come back, is going to be that guy. Yeah, I mean, right now I've got him ranked as the highest Raven running back or receiver, but yeah, it's it's anybody's it's anybody's uh, spot to take there. I mean, Aiken is another one that I'm looking at. Who, I mean, who knows? Mike Wallace could technically get it. Um, and then Perryman, if he actually can come back healthy, it's it's an interesting thought there to, to see who who's going to come out of that, that receiving core and be the main guy for, for Joe Flacco. So I think that's kind of it for the injuries. If you've got anybody that I've forgotten here in my notes, go ahead, feel free to, to jump in and, and, and add anybody. But if not, we will move on to the bus and sleepers. Um, I guess if you were talking about injuries, I guess can't leave out Kevin White. But, I mean, nobody's really seen him. He hasn't played an NFL game yet. It's really tough to gauge what kind of player he's going to be at this level. And, um, you know, playing opposite Alshon Jeffrey, he is going to have the opportunity. It all depends on whether or not he can pick up uh, an NFL offense in time considering he missed all of last year with, uh, oh, geez, what was his injury last year? Calf injury? Foot injury? Uh, yeah, I believe it was like a strained calf all year long, and it just never healed on him. Yeah, I think he's one of those guys who was going pretty early last year before the injury, and his ADP is climbing this year again. So I, he's one of those guys where it's a lot of risk because he's never played a game, but he's one of those guys that can pay off going in like the seventh round I want to say but oh oh, oh here uh, wide receiver 35 yeah at that uh, at that ADP I think it's a decent risk for somebody that can pay off pretty pretty big yeah I, I don't I don't know if I'm going to fully get in on him I, uh, I I just don't think that I can uh, it's just I don't like the unknown is my issue uh, and since you haven't seen it for a year, it's it's kind of whatever to me. But that said, moving on, what um you got any a couple of of busts for the season that that you uh, that you're thinking about for the wide receiver position? Yeah, it's kind of tough with receivers to pick out guys that are going to just like absolutely bomb outside of injuries, just because you know you can kind of predict the kind of targets and opportunities they're going to get. But one guy that's going pretty high this year that I've written about a couple times is uh, Doug Baldwin. He's going 46th right now, wide receiver 21. And it's like you said, with uh, Anderson and Hill with with the running backs, it's all based off of second half of the season, like six or seven games where I think last year between weeks 11 and 15, he put up, almost 500 yards and 11 touchdowns in, in those games. And just, he scored more than half of his fantasy points in a six-game stretch. And we don't know what the Seahawks offense is going to look like this year without Marshawn Lynch. We don't know if they're going to go back to run heavy, considering they, they spent four draft picks on running backs. You don't know if they're going to go pass heavy. We don't know how many targets Tyler Lockett's going to get. We don't know if Jimmy Graham is going to be healthy. 
it's just a lot of unknown in that offense. And Baldwin going at 46 is just really high for somebody who was waiver wire fodder until, you know, week week 11 last year. So it's just really, it's really odd to me that he's going so high above guys like Golden Tate, Jeremy Macklin, like established guys that can put up numbers for more than half a season. Yeah, uh, Macklin's definitely been the the talk of the offseason. I did a uh, few weeks ago, we had Jake Seeley on here, and, and we did a consensus top 100 rankings between a bunch of guys in the industry across a bunch of different sites, and I was included. And Doug Baldwin, he had us – so he had us – he grouped them all into uh, groups of 20 – and then he had his comment on one person or two in that group of 20. And when he got to the group with Doug Baldwin in it, it was a very heated, I can't really call it a debate because nobody really was in the, like there was no conversation, but he was very heavily discussed in, in the article by everybody. Uh, so uh, I, I'm weird and, and I kind of like Doug Baldwin again. I don't think he's going to have like a stretch of games that he did, but I kind of think they saw something there where, you know, Marshawn Lynch wasn't around anymore. They couldn't rely on the heavy running game. You know, Rawls was good. Um, and Graham's going to be hurt again to, to start the year. Most likely I think he'll be good. And I think he can put up wide receiver 20, you know, 20 ish numbers. Um, I I, I kind of see where you're saying, you know, with, with Tate, but in in a league, especially standard, where you know guys like Tate and Macklin and and those guys are, are going to rely on a lot of PPR points because they're going to probably re- catch more passes. I think Baldwin's going to see a lot more, you know, touchdowns than, than those types of types of guys. And that's going to push him over top of, of them in standard leagues. Now in PPR, um, it's kind of flipped for me. I have Baldwin way down because I just don't think he catches enough passes. He doesn't get enough targets. Seattle's just, they're a very efficient offense. They just score and, but they don't generally need a lot of plays to do it. Um, so it's, He's still going to have a lot of value. Um, I think during that like consensus top 100, he was – I forget exactly where he was, but he was even higher than this in, in that. I had him – I originally was like lower on him, but now I'm higher on him because I think the the industry's kind of fixed itself. And But, you know, I guess in your opinion, it hasn't fixed it quite enough. So that's – it's interesting that you're so, so down on him because I, I was initially, but now it seems to have kind of corrected – so, is there anybody else that you're kind of looking at for as a potential bust? Um, yes, the guys I already mentioned, like Demarius Thomas, Kelvin Benjamin. I think it, it can, it might be tough for them to put up the numbers people are expecting. But another guy that might not put up the numbers he did last year is um, Alan Hearns of the Jags. He uh, last year he was a huge, huge deal, having a thousand yard season, ten touchdowns, but he only caught sixty four passes. And with the Jags, you know, they're adding uh, Chris Ivory. Julius Thomas is hopefully going to be uh, healthy for an entire season. He, I think he got injured again this uh, this week. But, um, you know, with Hearns, I think with the Jags defense getting better, they're not going to be, you know, a lot of shootouts in garbage time anymore. Unless he can, uh, you know, draw some more targets in an offense, I think it's going to be tough for him to repeat a 10-touchdown season 
especially if they go uh, more to Ivory in the red zone. If they start running more in the red zone, I think a lot of those opportunities for Hearns decrease and putting up 10 touchdowns is going to be tough. Uh, It's not a huge risk right now for him going around number 68 overall, but still uh, coming out of nowhere last season uh, with the changes to the Jags team and overall, it might be tough for him to put up, uh, put up similar numbers. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, and he's, he's also an injury risk and I've owned him multiple times in the last couple of years and he just, he goes off and then he gets injured and it sucks. So it's, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting with him. I definitely don't think he'll repeat the 10 touchdowns either. One, one guy that I, I kind of think is going to be a bust this year. Well, I've got two. One is Watkins. Kind of already talked about him. I'm just not really feeling it this year. I think he had a huge second half again. But I'm really, really, really worried about that foot injury. Um, you know, we've seen Dez and Edelman and guys like that have that injury before, and they just never seem to quite recover from it as quickly as they think they're going to. But another guy that I think is just going insanely too early, and I don't understand it, is Torrey Smith. And he's not going, like, way too early, but I don't – is it people just get amnesia about Chip Kelly? Like, I know he runs a lot of plays, but what what makes Torrey Smith a good receiver? He's been fairly average his whole career anyway. So going to a Chip Kelly offense with a bad quarterback – why is this a good fit for him? I just don't see it. Somebody needs to tell me otherwise because as of right now, I'm never going to have this guy on any of my teams. And what am I not seeing? Um, I think with Smith, I think a lot of it is because he's going around like 130. So it's not too big of a risk for somebody who's looking like the number one receiver on uh, like, like you said, a Chip Kelly team who historically they just run a lot of plays and they run a lot of passes, especially if uh team starts stacking the box against Carlos Hyde or he gets injured again. But I mean, I think a lot of it is just opportunity. The Niners are going to be down a lot and they're going to have to throw to somebody. I think Torrey Smith, just based on name recognition, is going to be that guy. But um, Jerome Simpson is the next biggest name, but... Uh, a guy that a lot of people are talking about now is Bruce Ellington, where he's looking like he's going to be the slot guy for the Niners. And a lot of Kelly's offense relies on those slot guys. So I think Bruce Ellington could be a guy there, but I think Smith is going where he's going just because he's a name and he has put up decent numbers before. But I think the Chip Kelly offense plus, you know, his, his previous track record of, you know, low end wide receiver two at his peak is kind of drawing blend there. Yeah, I, I guess it's I guess it's name, but you know, it's whatever. So what about some some sleepers here? We're we're getting a little short on time, so we got to go through this a little quicker. But uh, what do you what are you feeling for for some sleepers here? Uh, sleepers. All right. Uh, you already mentioned we you offhandedly mentioned Kamar Aiken uh, in Baltimore, and I think I think he's the he's if Steve Smith is not going to be the guy this year, I think it's going to be Aiken because last year with, with everybody out, Aiken, he really stepped up. He played, uh, he played well, you know, he averaged 10 targets a game over the final eight weeks of the season, caught uh, three touchdowns, which is not, not too bad. And about 700 yards. 
he's got good hands. He's a good route runner. I think Aiken's going to be a guy to at uh, one hundred fifty first overall can provide a lot of value. It's a, that's a good one. I, yeah, I think he's going pretty late. I ended up getting him in my uh, in my Scott Fishbowl league too. You got anybody else you want to mention there? Uh, yeah, just a just a couple guys here. I'm not sure how much time we got, but um, Rashard Matthews out in Tennessee. He uh he was playing very well for the for the Dolphins last year and he's kind of slipping under the radar this year just cuz it's the Titans where receivers, you know, kind of fall off the map. Um <laughs> but he's, you know, he he's same as thing, um same as Aiken, he's got good hands, you know, he's going to be the number one receiver in Tennessee. Uh don't tell me about Doro Green Beckham. He's not going to be a number <laughs> one receiver on that team. He can't run routes. He's just Head's not in the game. He's not going to be the number one receiver there. Um, I think Rashard Matthews is is going to be a really really valuable pick where he's going. Um, yeah, and Sammy Coates as well. He's looking in Pittsburgh. Looks like he's going to start uh, outside opposite Antonio Brown and not Marcus Wheaton because uh, you know Wheaton's been a sleeper and a breakout candidate for what seems to be forever now. Uh, I think Sammy, Sammy Coates is going to be that guy this year. I think he, without Martavis Bryant there, I think Coates can put up uh, can put up some good numbers, and he's going around 180, so uh, pretty good value. Yeah, uh, that was the guy I had written down with Coates, and then kind of a, you know, he's not a super sleeper, but I, I think people are just kind of forgetting about him a little bit. His uh, is Crabtree, and, and you mentioned him earlier. I, I think he's just kind of being forgotten about. He had a good season last year, and even with Cooper maybe emerging a little, you know, being a little bit better and a little bit more reliable, I still think Crabtree can almost benefit from that because he won't have – he'll even have less attention his way. Um, so, Coates and Crabtree were mine, so I definitely agree with you there. Um, <laughs> I was laughing about the – Throw your green back him because yeah, I kind of I I think he's pretty pretty much straight garbage. So uh, <laughs> I'm not buying anybody on on that Tennessee team though, as far as receivers. But I mean, I know it's the old the old saying, eh, somebody's got to catch the ball. But do they? Do they really? That's kind of the way I feel with with Torrey Smith and the Forty ers too. So mm, well, I think no, maybe not. No. <laughs> well, I, I mean, Mario is better. Hopefully we, you know, we we all at least think he's better. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, so to to finish up the wide receiver position, you know, I usually just run through kind of the the impact rookies or, or the top rookies at the position. So you know, we got Laquan Treadwell in in Minnesota. We got Corey Coleman in Cleveland. We got Josh Doxson in Washington. We got Sterling Shepard in New York. Got Michael Thomas for New Orleans. We got Will Fuller for Houston. Um, I mean, I think Treadwell is kind of the the overall consensus number one receiver. So, besides him, assuming that he is your number one rookie wide receiver as well, who else do you like off this list? Who's your next best? Um, I'm liking. Sterling Shepard a lot because everything coming out of out of the Giants camp is just very very positive. Uh, he's 
really quick. He's a really polished route runner, and that's important in uh, Ben McAdoo's offense. He good catch. Uh, sorry, he's got great hands. He can he can really block. You know, he's just kind of a really complete receiver. And opposite of Odell Beckham, he's not going to get a whole lot of attention uh, if everybody tries to defend uh, OBJ. And it's just really he's got a really good opportunity to just let his talent shine through and put up some good numbers there. Yeah, I um, has I I hesitate to say it, but I I do agree with you. I initially liked Doxon going into you know after the draft, after the NFL draft, but the more I looked at it, I do like the position the Shepherd's in. Uh, Doxon's still gonna have to fight, you know. Now he's injured, but even before then, he was gonna have to fight through three pretty you know. Steady guys there, Garcon, Jackson, and then um, um, totally blanking on the guy from from Duke, um, the slot guy. Um, why am I blanking on my own team? But <laughs> you know, pretty pretty solid solid receiving core there for for the Redskins, and you know Dot Doxon was gonna I think struggle to get consistent playing time, but Shepard. You know, you can't really rely on Cruz, so I think he was going to be in the next best spot there. Um, so yeah, that's 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 all we've got um, for the wide receiver position. I was going to run through some baseball stuff, and you know, honestly, you're, you're welcome to stick around if you want. You know, just just rip through some of these trades real quick and give you you know your quick quick take on it if you want. I know you do yeah, baseball no problem. as well, but. Uh, you know, with 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 AJ out of the out of the picture tonight, I I got a little bit of a need for go host. So if you want to stick around, you can. If you got to go, you got to go. I understand, but um. Oh no, I'm good to stick around for some baseball. Cool. Yeah. So, um, just some some quick baseball news here. You know, obviously the trade deadline was yesterday. A lot of movement. I think this was honestly the the most active trade deadline I've seen in since I've been following it, and it's been you know. 10, 15 years since I've really been following the trade deadline, uh, especially since, you know, fantasy baseball when I started, you know, in, in 2001. So it's been about 15 years that I've really been paying attention to this. And, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of relievers were probably the, the, the biggest names to be moved as far as pitchers. Um, you know, obviously Chapman to the Cubs, Miller to Cleveland, Melanson to the Nats, Jeffries to Texas. And then the guys that are coming in behind them, obviously, are going to, you know, reap the benefits to have some more value. And, you know, you guys got you got guys like Rodon in, in Chicago who are going to lose their their value. Allen and Cleveland, whoever it ended up being in, in the Nationals at the very end there. You know, I think Papelbon was out and Kelly was mediocre um they obviously lose our value um but you know kind of what's your give your you know your quick 30 seconds run through on all this and you know who do you like most the rest of the way here um like i don't know closers for me are just really they're all really interchangeable really unless you're getting somebody like like a chapman even though the cubs are kind of struggling to get their closers save opportunities this year uh, Andrew Miller is going to come out of this looking probably like the best closer over the last couple couple months of the season. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in Texas with Jeffress and uh, and Dyson there. I'm not sure if they got him to be the closer or to set up for Dyson. So 
I owned both of them, so it's kind of tough for me now, <laughs> checking the news every couple seconds. But uh, uh yeah, you don't know who to drop. <laughs> Funny. Uh, yeah, that's been a it's been a tough couple, a tough few hours. Um, looking at Melanson's gonna do really well in Washington. Uh, guys like uh Tyler Thornburg in Milwaukee, he's gonna take over for for Jeffress. He's been pretty, yeah, he's been uh, very good this year. Uh, Jake Barrett in Arizona, he's been really good as well as well, taking over for Tyler Clippard who got traded to the Yankees. Um, a lot of the up and coming guys. They weren't even due to trade movement. It was just, just guys, young guys gaining jobs. Like Edwin Diaz in Seattle, he mm-hmm. took over from Ciszek, and he's been incredible since he since he came up, just striking out everybody, and just he's been great. Uh, and Ken Giles got his job back in Houston after Will Harris blew a couple saves. Don't know if people are ready, ready to uh, trust him again, but he's got the job, and he's been pretty good since the beginning of June. So yeah, he hasn't allowed a run I think since June eighth. Is that yeah. what I read? Pretty it's, crazy. It, yeah, he's been really good since the beginning of June. So, I mean, there's a lot of new closes out there. So, if uh, people need to ch- ch- uh, chase saves, then the opportunity's there. Just go and pick one. Yeah, um, I like Melo the rest of the way, too. That Cleveland team's pretty pretty beast, you know, pitching-wise. They can get they can get to their, uh, you know, they can get to the back end of that bullpen pretty good um the, all their pitchers seem to be able to go pretty deep so um that, that's pretty huge um i think you pretty much hit everything else right on right on the head there so not much to say there um you know a, a couple of the the starting pitchers that i highlighted here just you know, more names than anything it seems like but uh rich hill to the dodgers he should be activated from the ir from or from the dl uh later this week Matt Moore to San Francisco and Liriano to Toronto. I mean, are any of these guys gaining value, losing value? Anybody you're looking to go like acquire via trade now that they've moved teams in your fantasy league? You know, what what's what are you thinking here? Uh, I wouldn't go out of my way to trade for Matt Moore or or Liriano just because Liriano's moving into the AL East. And as a Jays fan, moving Aaron Sanchez to the bullpen was like the worst thing I've ever seen. It just doesn't make sense to me for a team that's in first right now, but that's another topic. Um, <laughs> I own him in, in, in the fantasy six-pack league, man. I am not happy. <laughs> I don't get it. Did not learn from the Nats in Strasburg a few years ago. It's Whatever. Um, yeah, Matt Moore, he's, I mean, his. I guess his value gets a bump being out of the AL East, but he's still not a guy who's worth going out and trading for even in San Francisco. So, I mean, uh, Rich Hill's a guy who's been really good this year when healthy. That's really the issue with Hill though. Um, if he can stay healthy for the Dodgers, I think he, he can be a top 25, top 20 pitcher rest of the way. But again, it all depends on, on his health. If there's an owner out there who's willing to trade him because he's injured, uh, at, trade him at a discount, then yeah, I'd definitely be looking to get Rich Hill. Yeah, I, I like the Rich Hill move for him, and uh, you know, I think he, you know he should be able to win a few more games out there. Um, more, more to San Fran's interesting to me. I mean, that's that's definitely a pitcher's ballpark. Um, like I said, I actually traded for him. Speaking with you off air here, and I told you I traded for him in in this 
bigs league where we have AL, NL, and I'm in the NL and, and lost a bunch of my guys and ended up having to swap them. And I got Matt Moore in return. And so I, I, I do like that move. You know, pitchers go to San Fran and they just seem to pitch well for the most part. So I, I do like that. Um, a couple of bats, you know, the, the names that, that I wrote down, the big ones, you know, LaCroix and Beltron to the Texas to Texas Rangers, Nunez to San Francisco. I know that happened about a week before the trade deadline. Uh, Jay Bruce to the Mets and then Kemp to Atlanta. Um, the pretty big names. Like we just, we don't usually see names like this moving like, or this, these, this many, you know, productive, very, very productive guys moving at the trade, trade deadline like this. Um, what's your, what's your favorite move, at least from like a fantasy standpoint here? Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, I think probably the biggest impact is going to be Luke Roy to Texas. I think he just the parks are similar, similarly friendly to hitters, but I think just moving into the Texas lineup is going to do a lot for Luke Roy's, uh, like a lot for Luke Roy's numbers. Just being out of the Milwaukee lineup, aside from Ryan Braun, but I mean, yeah, just Luke Roy there. Beltran's going to help. Uh, one I don't like a move that's really going to affect somebody's value negatively is Jay Bruce. I think historically he's a pretty bad hitter at City Field, and away from uh, away from Cincinnati, I don't know if he can continue his 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 career year out there. And uh, I think he's got a pretty inflated uh, uh, home run fly ball ratio, and it's going to be difficult to keep it up in City Field. So owner Jay Bruce owners might want to look into trading him before it's too late. But that's just me. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Um... I think the one that hurts the most to anybody is Matt Kemp to Atlanta. I mean, that, that offense is just, it's pretty pathetic. Um, although at, at least now Freddie Freeman has somebody to hit around him. So, you know, maybe those two together can, can do something, but otherwise that offense is just bad. And I think it's going to severely hurt Kemp's numbers. Um, I was, I was actually ripped earlier in the year for ranking him so high in my rest of the season rankings, but I was like, this guy's on pace to have like 36 home runs and like 110 RBI. Like how, how are you arguing with this? I only had him ranked as like the 45th best player or something like that. And it wasn't like ridiculous. Um, but now that he goes to Atlanta, I think I'm going to drop him eventually in, in my rankings whenever I get around to re-ranking them. So I think that one hurts. I do like the Lucroy move. I think that's going to be, you know, the the best the best move out of out of everybody. So anyway, that that is pretty much it for the for the show. Um but I want to thank you for coming on, man, and, and sticking around for the this little bit of baseball talk. It was definitely much appreciated. Um I def, you know, with with AJ having a bail, I enjoyed having the extra company around. So but yeah, uh, you want to let everybody know how they can find you and, and all that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, just uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, jchant underscore 811. You know, just look up my author page on fantasy6pack.net and check out my, uh, well, I run the closer chart. So if you need closers, uh, check that out. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sure you had a busy, uh, busy week slash weekend. Oh. <laughs> uh. Every day, every couple hours, I gotta change it up. 
Yeah, man, it was uh, it was pretty nuts trying to follow it. I was at the beach this past weekend and like constantly on my phone, you know, family's going, "We're at the beach, put down your phone." I was like, "I can't." <laughs> so, yeah, wrong time to go to the beach. It's trade trade deadline weekend, but all good. I got through it. They uh, they forgave me. So, I mean, well, uh, we will let you go. And uh, yeah, again, thanks for coming on. And, and be sure to uh, everybody be sure to check out his stuff on Fantasy Six Pack. Thanks for having me. All right. So yeah, we will um, finish off the way that we normally do. And I got a couple Twitter questions for you. Um. I need to remember to turn this back up. So, got a couple couple Twitter questions. Um, so, drop John Gray or Hendricks for Matt Moore. Uh, I believe this is the same guy who's in a, I think this is an 18 league. And I'm going to go with a no on that one. Um, John Gray's close only because I kind of don't like Colorado pitchers, just no matter how good they're pitching, definitely not Hendricks. Um, but I'm not, I'm not ready to totally buy into Matt Moore yet. Uh, I think he's going to have a, a little bit of boost in value moving to San Francisco, but you know, we, we've seen him struggle time and time and time again. Um, and then, you know, he, he did ask, he asked who's going to close Allen or Miller, uh, definitely Miller. Uh, so, um, you know, the, those are the those are the two the two Twitter questions for the night. So that is all we've got for the show. I do want to remind you to check out the Fantasy Fat Cast here on the so-called Fantasy Experts channel. Um, they should be returning pretty soon. I know they've they've ripped through their position previews, so hopefully they'll be returning soon with some with some action and uh, some some good conversation going. And then check out the Fantasy Edge over on uh, Fantasy Six Pack with Richard Seville and Kevin Huo. And uh, I know he brings on a lot of the guests from Fantasy Six Pack over there, a lot of the writers, and lets them get get some talk in as well. So uh, that is all we've got for the night. So I want to say goodnight to everybody and return next week when we do our tight end preview and finish out the the position preview for fantasy football so come back next week same time same channel Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.